0: What's up, everybody? I am Levi Brickley, your host with the Pursuing Truth Podcast. This is another awesome part of boundaries. Yo, because boundaries are important. So we're going to talk about developing boundaries. Yay. Yeah. I I mean, I like, I I like this series though. I feel like we've had some very good conversation about this.
1: Yeah, and it brings up, oh golly, I still am not over getting my boundaries straight. (laughs) Oh, golly, gee, golly, gosh.
0: (laughs) All right, guys. Well, um, before we get started and dig into uh, some of these awesome topics, we actually have like 23 points to hit on in the outline today, which uh, that's quite a bit. It's not. um, I think the first couple we had, we only had like maybe like 14, 15. Yeah, but
1: we're in the part of child rearing (laughs) boundaries.
0: Yeah, yeah. So what you're going to get from this episode, guys, is let's say if you are a single father, a single mother, or maybe you are parenting with a significant other, doesn't seem to be that popular these days. Um, A lot of kids are growing up without a parent in the home and uh, only having a single parent home, and it's really too bad. Uh, But this is going to be applicable to your parenting. And, of course, I got the mastermind of of parenting here, my mother, Kim Mattern. And uh, we're going to have a, a stinking fantastic time. Make sure that you guys follow us on Spotify. Leave an Apple podcast review. And if you enjoy the video quality and enjoy the conversation mom and I are having, please subscribe on YouTube as those things, all of them, are vital to the growth of the podcast. And at the bottom of the description are links to all of the social media accounts. There's also a link to Apple Podcasts, so you can leave the Apple Podcast review. We'll see a lot of growth from that. And I do appreciate those of you who have left reviews. It's it's huge. It's huge.
1: You need to show me where that's at. I might leave a review for
0: you. Yes, my mom. <laughs> yes. All right. So, like we kind of discussed in our little um, exhausted intro there, um, the book in chapter four starts talking about parenting styles and, and how important they are to develop quality parenting styles that will inhibit boundaries later on in adulthood. There's a married couple, Jim and Alice, and Jim is a hardworking, normal American father living his American dream has done very good in the movie industry and has moved up to operations manager and over time he's developed into um a mindset where he's able to say no to his family but not say no to his um employer and i think a a lot of parents really struggle with this you know where do you find that balance because really that's what boundaries is about is is finding balance within your life of of being able to say that yes being able to say that no and I think, you know, there's this gradual transition into establishing those boundaries. And this is an important takeaway from Jim and Alice's situation is because he's not at home. He's not there to assist Alice in establishing the boundaries in the kids' lives. He's essentially just like any absent father in a home, even though he's providing financially.
1: Right. And even as a single mom at home, I had that problem, too, because... Um, again, from childhood, <clears throat> my feel good came from what I produced. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you know as well as I do, my house had to always be cleaned. Things had to be done a certain way. I was <laughs> a little OCD. And that was all stemming from that's where I got my good feels from. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know how to say no to, hey, let's take a day off and not clean house on a Saturday morning.
0: <laughs> yeah, but you also had to provide structure too. Right. And so like you providing that structure taught the children discipline. And I think, you. you know, that, that, that's, um that's a key aspect to quality parenting is, is giving that structure and discipline, which we're going to get, dig into right. later. But that, that, the problem is is when there isn't that balance right, right. we're not keeping the home clean're we're, we're not teaching the kids to fold the laundry or the mom in the married relationship is the only one doing it right And it's like well where's that love and and, and help in the relationship from the father or the husband And so this gradual transition is is important to recognize because it really starts at, at a baby you know, baby, yeah, very
1: young age, very young age.
0: What were like some of the things that you had to do, um, at the very beginning, you know, say when I was born, because we're twins, I got a twin sister. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And the, and the older siblings played a very vital part because, um, during that time I worked night shift.
0: Mm-hmm. And so I
1: worked all night, come in in the morning, get all you kids up. Well, not you babies, but got the older kids up, got them ready, got them off to school, and I only got to sleep when you guys slept or when your dad was awake enough to take care of you. Um, our home had to have structure in order to function. Mm-hmm. And um, and fortunately, um, that's one thing I probably did pick up from my parents is that they were very worth ethic um, people. And mm-hmm. so I knew that in order, not that it was just a job, but I also knew that transposed over to the home life as far as, I knew we had to be on some kind of a schedule. Everybody had to have a job or it wasn't going to work. Yeah, And so <clears throat> I started very early teaching you kids chores and, mm. you know, and finding too, you know, it's kind of like one of those things. I know this sounds silly. Um, the struggle for me was finding each one of you kids' personality and traits mm. and what you were good at. Like, for instance, when I ran the daycare, you and Lauren were two when I started the daycare. Rusty was very good with kids. Very yeah. good with kids. Yeah, I remember that. Um, so he would help with the daycare kids. I mean, he would take care of diapers. He would take care of, of um, the work part of that. And here's Caleb, who Caleb was the clown of the family. And he was great to entertain them. Like he would take them out, you know, in the afternoon before nap time, he would make obstacle courses for the kids or come up with some kind of games with them or entertain them during that time. And so, but I seen those in the personalities Mm -hmm. of everybody. And so, Daisha didn't do much interacting with kids. Um, She was more upstairs helping me in the kitchen or helping do housework or, you know, stuff like that. So it was, seeing those things in each one of you and trying to build on those strengths that you had Mm -hmm. in helping me be able to run the household.
0: And I think, you know, that's a blessing in disguise, the dynamic (laughs) of having multiple kids that can all assist you along the way. And so you are able to kind of give them particular tasks that give them the meaning in, in that aspect of life at that time. Right. How did you develop, Say a relationship with God with, with the children.
1: With the first four until um, my first husband, and I got divorced, we were in church every week. Um, but we were one of those typical families that we went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Yeah, <laughs> kids were in the programs, but there really wasn't a whole lot of meat in the home. Mm-hmm. I mean, we didn't do Bible reading with you kids. We didn't pray with you kids and and I even carried that in with you guys. Yeah. Um, I think the difference was is that when I was a younger mom, I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. I had him as my Savior. I knew God existed. I knew that Jesus died for me, but I didn't have that relationship with him. Mm-hmm. And I think as you kids started growing older, we went, I had a relationship with Jesus. And right. so having that relationship with Jesus was easier for me to be more open to to you kids with my faith and taking the
0: time to set aside, to make sure that um, you you spend time with Jesus and that we understood. Yeah. The importance of this is because like we've established in episode three about God has boundaries. Yes. And so, because God has boundaries, you can pull representations all throughout the Bible of Mm. different boundaries that were established. Right. Um, Take Job, for instance, when God said, essentially to Satan you can do anything you want to him you just can't kill him so he loses his family he loses his livestock he loses his wealth he loses all of his friends he's a lonely man he loses his health and then develops leprosy and then he's cast away from society and he has no development into right. so 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 you you see that boundary that God set with Satan. But knowing that ultimately that boundary has a purpose at the end of the day to provide protection, and and protection is what's so important. And so um, Psalms 139, 23 through 24 says, "'Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive ways in me and lead me in the way of the everlasting.'" Mm-hmm. And and I of course, the word that's going to stick out to me is is anxious. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm, I'm anxious. Yes. I, and we live in a culture where so many people are living this anxious life. Am I going to be a good enough mother? Am I going to be a good enough father, wife, husband, Am I son, doing this daughter? right? Am, am, I am I doing, I doing this right? And so because God, like I said with Job, established that boundary with him and Satan in Job, in this dynamic, God's also establishing boundaries in our purpose and our meaning. And so our reliance on him and his leadership and his guidance in our life is providing us the protection that can potentially result in bitterness, resentment, and and maybe that anxious and depressed life.
1: Yeah. Um, I know I was a really a, probably more of an anxious person during the first four um, simply because I hadn't even matured yet. I didn't know all that I knew later. So when I had you kids, <clears throat> I still had anxiety. I had anxiety with um, financially providing for us. I had anxiety sometimes of finding time for me mm-hmm. um, to have alone time to just reflect and <laughs> rest my brain. Um, so there was anxiety, but the, the sweet thing about the relationship, having a relationship with Jesus. And I'll tell you one of the things that, you know, after we um, had to leave our house here in El Dorado and move to an apartment, which was upsetting for all of us. It was our home, and um, but my health wasn't where it needed to be in order to keep working the hours that I was working. And um, I remember waking up at night having... um, they were anxiety attacks basically and um
0: what were you so anxious about
1: well it was a transition you know um i had to start a new job i hadn't worked outside the home i'd always been home with you kids and working outside the home i didn't have skills because i had never gone to school i didn't have you know skills and fortunately and it was just god's provision for me was that a lady knew me from a twins group that i had joined And she knew I had great organizational skills and they needed somebody in the office that could organize their supplies and, and plan the Christmas parties and plan the, you know, um, company things and stuff. Mm -hmm. And that was my first corporate USA job.
0: What was it like your first day going in?
1: (laughs) Very nervous. I knew Mm. nothing. Mm. Basically nothing other than emailing on a computer. Nothing. (laughs) I didn't know. Word document. I didn't know Excel. I didn't know nothing.
0: See, my anxiety (laughs) would be like me talking constantly and sounding like an idiot to all of my coworkers because I wouldn't know how to communicate with everybody. I get anxious about that. Like I do like, believe it or not, like I get behind this microphone, but I'm sitting in the studio by myself. So I don't have social anxiety here. I don't have social anxiety when I post it because I've done so much content creation, but you get me in a crowd of people or a new group of people that I know that I'm going to be around on a consistent basis. I always have like this anxious part of me that like, I don't really want to fully open up or, like, I don't know how to carry myself and all of those things.
1: I, I still have that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have anxiety, too. Uh, people don't know that. People don't know that when I go into a, a, a room full of people that I'm like, ooh. Yeah. But I trained myself to put that aside and push through. Yeah. You know, a lot of, and a lot of choices in that was I had no choice. I either had to learn to be able to communicate with people because now I'm in corporate USA. Mm I was having to make decisions. I was having to present to, to the people at the job. Is this what you're wanting? Is this what we're going, you know? And so I had to push through and be honest with you, pretend I knew what I was doing. Right. You know? And so, and I think that that came from, you know, just God putting me and, you know, I used to feel really sorry for myself and get on that pity party sometimes about being a single mom and struggling with, because, you know, bottom line, I didn't have a support system. I didn't ha- my parents didn't live close. So I didn't have aunts and uncles, cousins, you know, there just wasn't a way there. Um, and, and so really the people in the church was somewhat my support group, mm-hmm. even though they weren't their day to day life at home. But, um, but God put me as a single mom and gave me a brain enough to learn yeah. To push through some of those things. And, you know, you kids did get the butt end of some of it, you know, when I did, was very high anxiety, you know, that's when my anger would get a little bit <laughs> best of me. But, um, you know, it does take a, a, you know, a disciplined life and you got to choose to be disciplined. Yeah. You know, so, um, and that's when we go back to developing boundaries with your kids, you know, I had to set boundaries because mm-hmm. I couldn't be there every minute of every day And you guys, and and part of learning boundaries was allowing you kids to be who you were. Um, I'm going to give you an example of a boundary with Rusty at two. Mm -hmm. And this is where you're learning, you know. Um, He was a quiet baby, very good baby and toddler. Wasn't too, you know, he didn't go through those terrible twos. But I realized the first time that it was really cold outside he wanted to go outside and play with the other kids. And I say, you got to get your coat on. And he says, no. And I go, you have to wear a coat. And he said, no. And so I said, then you're not going outside. This kid was two years old and he stood by the front door almost two hours. Two hours refusing to put the coat on. He was that stubborn? <laughs> he was that stubborn at two.
0: Holy cow. So I
1: knew at that moment. This one's going to be a challenge. That this one's going to have, I got to listen. Really, Rusty, I think, is the one that taught me the most about accepting my kids for who they were and letting them go with it. Mm -hmm. And from that day on, I realized the kid didn't like fur. (laughs) I mean, th- I learned that. The reason why he didn't want to put his coat on is he hated fur, <laughs> and it had a fur lining. So then after that, it was like everything had to have a nylon or a silky kind of lining in it and stuff. But even then, as a teenager, he'd be walking down the street in sub-zero degree weather in Kansas, and he might have a jacket on, and he had shorts on. And I realized the kid did not mind the cold weather. So was I going to fight him every day about wearing a coat and jeans and gloves and hat? Mm-hmm. No, that he taught me how to say it's okay. He'll know when he's cold and he needs to right. put clothes on. He was on old like that At out. this
0: time you're saying yes.
1: Yeah. I'm going okay.
0: Because I, I think, and this is crucial with any type of relationship, not just parenting is that there's a sense of compromise that's found in relationships. Right. And, that's a compromise that you made as he's standing at the door you know you you were holding your ground which you should hold your ground but but there's also that test in you of at what point do i say okay well i'm not obviously i'm not going to win this one right and then also understanding that at 2 years old he wasn't able to articulate why he didn't want to wear the coat and communicate that effectively to you to be able to make a change to that nylon inner coat. And that's crucial though. When you think about a relationship and husband and wife are having disagreements, that in that disagreement, there's a lot of things that are hidden underneath the rug per se. And they aren't, found out yet because maybe we haven't taken the time or have had the ability to be aware in ourselves yet to allow that to come out in a healthy manner. Instead, a lot of times we, we respond with that. Well, you did this. Well, you did that. Well, you did this. You did that instead of taking the moment to, to maybe walk away and have a sense of patience with it knowing that there's deeper things embedded here right. inside of me that I need to communicate right. better for further understanding. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, one quote that grandma used to always tell me was absence gr- makes the heart grow fonder. So in, in that time of of taking that break, maybe there's that openness that's also developed from that, that mm-hmm. now maybe she is more open to the conversation about this particular issue within the marriage that although you're not supposed to get to a point of being overly selfish about your boundary either. right? There's right. a balance here, right? There's, I, I always tell people, um, with anything, let, let's say like a recent episode that I did was on dating expectations was to develop this this hierarchy list right like what's the most important thing that you will not compromise on and we need to do that with our boundaries as well this is one thing i absolutely will not compromise on these things down here are less important and therefore i can make that compromise
1: another example of a compromise um when lauren was a teenager and I was remarried and she noticed that my husband wasn't washing the dishes the way I had taught her to wash dishes. (laughs) So she says to me, I can't believe you let him do. I said, he's an adult. He's offering to wash the dishes and that's not a battle I'm choosing to pick. Well, you would have never let us kids get away with it. I was teaching you. I don't have to teach him, Mm -hmm. you know? And so that was a boundary in a sense of age appropriate boundary. I made you kids wash the dishes, wash them properly, and wash them the way they need to as a learning tool. I don't care how you wash them now. Mm. And they're your dishes. Right. You know, but telling her that's not a battle I choose to pick because he's not crossing a boundary for me. Right. I may not like that he doesn't do the dishes the way I do the dishes, but hey, he's doing the dishes. (laughs)
0: Your expectation of perfection can be detrimental to the relationship, right? Yes. I mean, if you yes. were that constant nagging wife all the time, like, oh, you didn't clean this good enough, blah, blah, blah Yeah. You're, you're never actually going to find the satisfaction in that relationship. So that's one of those things that would be lower on that list. Yeah. Do you wish he would clean it better? Maybe, but that's just not something that you're willing to pick.
1: But that's something that I know as myself. That I'm a little bit on the OCD mm-hmm. spectrum. That's my issue. Right. My expectation, what I want, doesn't mean somebody else has to meet that. Mm-hmm. And so that to me is a boundary. Yes, there's things drawn in a line.
0: How do you develop, like, so boundaries, they don't just come out of nowhere. No, they, they don't. They are built. I mean, like, we used a uh, representation of, of a fence. The other day, yes. it's not like you just wake up one morning and the fence is there. <laughs> right, right. You have to build the fence. So, how? What? What are some dynamics of of single parenting where you were able to build that that boundary?
1: I felt um, most of my childhood um, there was no structure. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents fought a lot, um, very uh, violently a lot and yet they were so focused on each other and the things that were wrong with the marriage those kids pretty well took care of ourselves we did we just took care of ourselves mm-hmm. um and then going to foster care a little bit more chaotic you know so i just grew into that and one of the things you know it talks about in the boundaries book is is the three different growing levels as a child um they talk about the hatching yeah. um where um, the baby and the mom are as one person not separate mm-hmm. um, that the baby's totally dependent on that mom and I was one of those moms and I don't know how I got this to be honest with you but I didn't I hated the thought of putting Brock in the baby bed and letting him scream himself to sleep. That bothered me. But my mom said that's what I needed to do to teach him that he needed to go to sleep. I think it was detrimental to him as he grew up because there was a lack of that nurturing that he missed that I could have been giving him as a baby. And and another traumatic thing for him as an infant was that Daisha was very sick. So I spent a lot of time with Daisha at the hospital and stuff. So there again that hatching part of that connection with me as his mom was broken a lot, you know? Mm -hmm. And so when I look back, I think that, um, that was a very detrimental time. So I really encourage moms now hold your babies if they want to be held. You can't hold your baby enough.
0: You're not going to, there's the, um, essentially you're avoiding, right? You're Mm -hmm. avoiding like cry yourself to sleep. Like you'll get over. You're
1: isolating them. You know, they're
0: being isolated, right? But there's also, again, balance is coddling, is this helicopter mom that is doing too much. At what point, and, and I don't say that because I understand. I say that because I want to understand. Well, At that... what point is do you, do you kind of develop into that, okay, now I've overextended myself, and I have become the helicopter mom.
1: I think that that starts probably more into the three, four-year-old stage because, like, through the infant, they are dependent on you. Right. They are. About the time they hit, what, a year and a half, 18 months, you'll start seeing the independence in that child. The toddler's Mm -hmm. starting to move further away from mom and going further out, testing boundaries, per se. Yeah. You know, running out to the street if they can. But, I mean, touching things and doing things on their own, trying to explore. I call it exploring. And stuff. And you have to allow them to develop that. Mm -hmm. And there are some moms that can't handle the separation. There's some moms that, as the child starts leaving them, they start grabbing hold and pulling them back. Yeah. And I think that that is like you said, the helicopter mom, where they come hovering in and overprotecting the child from learning something. And then they try to pull back, and the child gets confused about. Where can he say no? Where can he say yes? You know, the book also mentioned, this is about the same age group, you know, and I know I was guilty of this. A child has a toy.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And the child's friend's over to play. And that friend wants my child's toy. And so he goes to get it, and my child grabs it and won't let him have it. And we parents jump in and go, oh, now, 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 Johnny, let your friend play with your toy. That's the nice thing to do. You know, but the boy said it was his toy. And he said, no, I don't want you to play with it. And instead of saying to Johnny, okay, Johnny, it's your toy, but do you have another toy your friend can play with that you can share with? You Mm -hmm. know, give him choices or say, you know, can you you let your friend play with that one and you go get another toy? You know, give them some guidance to where he still had the right to say no to the toy he wanted to play, Mm -hmm. didn't want to share with his friend. You know, because really what that did was we took the first ability for the child to say no away from him.
0: But but also, it's the ability to play with each other. Right. So this, the reason why establishing these boundaries in a child's life at an early age is because these will be what blossoms out once once they are an adult. You establishing like, a way like like finding another solution that this kid wants to play with this toy and i don't want to give up that toy so here here's another solution go on and do that one because what i'm learning is to work with others in society Mm -hmm. right i mean that's that's ultimately what you want out of out of like quality parenting and and establishing boundaries is you want them to go forthrightly into the world to establish themselves where they are able to be a team member because none of us can do it alone, but they are able to be a team member. And that brings to the next point in establishing relationships, how, how important relationships are, that there's this fundamental need within each one I- of us for relationship. And by allowing a different solution to give that toy, it may build a relationship with that kid, where then they become friends for a
1: long time. Right, right. And you know, and, and talk about that. If if we as parents never allow our children to say no to us, now there is a difference between saying no in a calm manner than saying no in a sarcastic, um, back talking manner. Okay, mm. and you have to learn those two things. Right. But um, not giving our kids the ability to say to no to us as parents takes away their ability to say no to their friends when their friends want to do something they know they shouldn't how does a young girl at the age of 12 and 13 i'm sorry it starts at 12 13 say no to that boy who's trying to fondle her in a way that's inappropriate Mm -hmm. if you've never given her the ability to have the voice to say no she's going to struggle with saying no right how do you tell that boy when he gets his first offer of drugs to say no, if you never given that child the ability to say no to you.
0: Well, and that's a sense of confidence. Yeah. A, a sense of confidence of, of self-worth, essentially. Like, I'm valuing my ability to say no mm-hmm. out of my protection so that I don't have a traumatic emotional experience. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 th- I think one thing that, that you could say from this is like, there's an aspect to this of, of a damaged relationship, right? Mm -hmm. So the, the, the kid on the other end of that, like wanting to play with the toy or, um, or even on the other end, completely polar opposite where it's the boy that's wanting to fondle the, the young girl. And maybe they're around the same age and it's maybe from a sense of, him not understanding the boundary yet either right and and that um he learns it by her ability to say no right right but 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 if there's a helicopter mom involved in that maybe what can result from that is that there's a sense of codependency within that 13 year old girl that mom what do i say here mm-hmm she needs to be able to have that independence to be able to look at that boy that's, again, the same age and say no. Yeah. But 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 this boy also needs to have the self-respect and the respect of others have learned how to play with others to recognize what's the solution here. Obviously, I need to leave this situation because she told me no and I need to respect her. Mm-hmm. I need to respect that... My friend isn't going to allow me to play with this toy. Those are all the different dynamics in that conversation that are playing into things that you guys can take away from that ability to allow a balance within a child's life so that they go into the world and are able to make their own decisions with confidence and the understanding of their own balance in their own life
1: right and i think that that's where we fell as parents i know early on in my parenting when i said no i meant no and there was no nothing there was no talk about why i'm staying no and as i had more children and more things came into my life i realized that i needed to explain to my kids no now if it's if it's them running to the street and going to get hit by a car and i yell no i don't have time to explain what that no means But I do think you have to take your kids back to a point where you go, the reason I said no was because it was going to harm you. Not no because they don't have the right to make a decision. Like, for instance, I know parents get really hung up about, and I remember going through this with you boys, boys' haircuts, body piercings, tattoos, dress codes, all those things that as they're coming into, you know, fourth, fifth grade, into middle school, high school. And I never fought you boys about how you want to wear your hair. It's not a permanent thing. You right. can cut it. You can grow it. You can dye it. You can shave it. That was not a concern of mine. Right. I didn't care what y'all do with your hair. I did have a boundary of no body piercings until you guys were old enough to realize that that hole's going to be in your body for the rest of your life. So you had to be older adult to do body piercings. And tattoos, clothing, as long as it wasn't obscene and, and immodest, I didn't put boundaries on what you wore. You know, I didn't get upset with whatever you wore.
0: Would you have allowed the girls to dye their hair or do anything? Did, they wanted? Don't,
1: don't we have a family picture of Quincy in seventh grade with pink hair? Don't you remember her pink hair?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: You know? Has that girl ever had the same color hair from year to year, from all through her high school? No. no okay. No, no, no. no, yes.
0: Maybe for a three month period.
1: Yeah. Did, did Quincy not shave her hair at one time and went bald?
0: Yeah, I think that was accidental.
1: Well, she didn't like the haircut she got, so she just shaved her head. Yeah. But well, did I get upset over that? She was no. the one that had to be with the bald head. In fact, she wore it rather well, to be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? But I didn't upset myself like I've seen so many other parents say. Oh, I don't like that. On oh, you can't wear that. Or no, you're not going to have hair below your collar, mm-hmm. you know. And I've seen parents doing that. And I'm thinking, give your parent, give your child the ability to make decisions that don't have an eternal value. Right. And that's what I felt like I focused on, especially when you three younger ones got older. I focused on boundaries and, and correction and things like that on do they have an internal value to them. Mm -hmm. You know, if it doesn't, does your hair have an eternal value? No. Right. Does your body piercing have eternal value? No.
0: So in this early adolescence, maybe it's that like preteen stage, this is where like identity starts coming into question a little bit, right? Yes. And so like this is when maybe that desire to start getting that face piercing. I mean, I remember Quincy had a cheek piercing one time, right? And that's when that starts coming in. I think, you know, of course, I work in a very professional job. So mm-hmm. there's, um, if there's permanent decisions made, let's say like facial tattoos, things like that, you're automatically going to be disqualified. And it's not mm-hmm. necessarily because of the judging, judginess of, of culture, but it's more because... There's a deeper psychology to everything that people tend to look at very surface level in that as humans and us wanting to establish relationships, what we're always trying to understand is if the environment that we're in is safe and who says that the person with the face tattoo is unsafe. Well, my explanation to that wouldn't be that my mom said that that person was unsafe. It was that every movie I watched, the villain had something like right, that.
1: Right, right, right. They portrayed it that way. Yes.
0: Right, and <laughs> and 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 the problem a lot of times is that it's the attack on the home instead of the attack on Hollywood,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and. I think, too, it's important that you allow the kids to experiment with that stuff at that young age.
1: Well, nothing permanent. That was my thing with tattoos and body piercings. It was a permanent thing that cannot be removed. Well, you can't remove them now. But what I'm saying is I didn't want you had to have been at an age that you understood the consequences. Like, for instance, tattoos 20 years ago was not socially accepted as they are today right and so yes it did make a played a factor in your job market and some of the ideology that people had so i wanted you to understand that if you get that tattoo there are consequences to the choice that you make right and are you willing to realize that you may not be able to be a police officer with it, tattoos you may not be able to be a pastor with tattoos you may not be able to you know so you need to realize and right. if you get tattoos but I'm nobody can see that you can wear clothing that covers them so that you can be in that market, yeah. you know. But but that's I think we fail in teaching our kids those basic things that help them make their own decisions. Well,
0: that's a boundary right there is saying like yes. no facial tattoo, no this, mm-hmm. no that, because you know that as they go forth into the world that there is going to be that inherent per se. I hate saying judgment because I just said it's it's not necessarily a judgment. It's just a, okay, it's a subconscious judgment is what mm-hmm. I would say. Mm-hmm. It's not saying that this person with the facial tattoo is going to be the one to steal the purse from me, okay? Right. But, but maybe that person with the face tattoo, the subconscious judgment that I make is like, that's the person that's more likely to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, And so, but... In those adolescents, it's important that you allow them to experiment because the result of the experimentation is that they also see how their peers are evaluating the decisions that they're making. So that when they get into their young adulthood, say at college age, they're no longer maybe not going to be making those decisions anymore. Mm -hmm. But you have to have that balance of, you know, not a facial tattoo, those things, but allowing the kid to experiment within. Their creativity. I would almost yeah. say it's almost creativity, right? Yes, and, in a lot and, of ways. And I, I think, I think there's also another dynamic to it that a lot of times it's a seek for attention. Mm-hmm. And so you have to understand, like, this is such a subjective topic to like individual. Um, parenting and children and personalities involved in relationships. But I think that these are some things that a listener could take away from and kind of think about it on a deeper sense to evaluate their situation, to know how to move forward, to maybe open up that door a little bit at that nine, 10 year old stage where it's like he wants to get a mohawk haircut Okay, we're gonna let them get a mohawk haircut. Cause I know, you know, six weeks from now we can just go back to the flat top or whatever. Right. Um, so allowing that to kind of um be fluid in your situation, just a very, 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 very subjective, and there's many things that you can take away from it, but it shows too the dynamics of each situation is very dependent on your ability to be aware of yourself and your surroundings to establish those boundaries in a healthy manner with the relationships that you have.
1: But I still think, you know, again, in developing boundaries starts at a very young age and you have to give kids freedom to exercise those boundaries. I mean, we can't teach our children how to stand up to peer pressure. Um, Stand up to, you know, society's things that maybe we don't um, necessarily think that are healthy for us or that are pleasing to God. How do we teach our children even to stand up for their right to believe in, in God and what God has ordained for us to be? You know, um, if we haven't taught them early on the ability to be able to express themselves and, yeah. and to say, you know, this is my line in the sand. I'm not going to cross it, you know, and I think it's really hard because especially in adolescence, if you stand up to your friend and go, I'm not going to go there. And that friend starts making fun of you. And then you have that, that feeling of not being accepted, not being a part of. And so you've got to really encourage your kids to say, it's okay. It's okay. Not to be a part of the pack. You can be an individual and be who you are. Mm. And, um, but you got to give your kids the ability to do that. I think, too, we miss the boat in explaining emotions to our children and helping them explain. Mm-hmm. You know, like it also it talks about in the book, you know, the anger is a good emotion because that mm-hmm. tells us something's not right. Right. You know, now that could be a self-indulgent thing. Like for me, it was a very um, anger came out of hurt and, and um, what's the other one?
0: Selfishness.
1: No. Anger emotions usually are governed by two emotions. It's either hurt or fear. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And if we don't teach our children to be able to talk, like when they get angry, Mm -hmm. the three-year-old that throws a tantrum on the floor, you can't do anything about the tantrum during the process of the tantrum. And I was one that would just let you throw a tantrum. I would just step over you and walk away. I wasn't one of those parents that would pick you up and try to talk you out of that tantrum. Let him throw it. If he wants to look like a dummy in the mall, throwing a tantrum, let him look like the dummy. You know, it it didn't bother me that you threw a tantrum. And like I said, you threw them. You were the only one of my kids that actually threw tantrums. And I would just say, take it to your room. I don't care if you throw a tantrum, but take it to your room. You know, but I always wanted to talk about it when you came back out and talk about the emotions that you were feeling that made you go into that tantrum. And sometimes I had to own up to the fact that it was something that I didn't allow or I said or, and apologize and and say, I'm sorry. I didn't understand that that was upsetting you.
0: You're validating the emotions.
1: Right. And so, you know, I learned that as time went on. I learned Mm -hmm. that through me learning about my own issues with anger and was but I think that we have, a, we as parents, even in our age of 20s and 30s and having kids, we want us to look good to other to people.
0: Everybody around us, yes. We like, want to look like, like the best parent.
1: Like talking about, you know, driving up to church and my beat up van and seven kids unloading out that minivan. And by golly, all of us look good. Yeah. You know, hairs hair you know, combed <laughs> over. you know, yeah, yeah, and, hair, yeah. And all that. And we're going to church because I wanted people to look and go, She's got it together. Yeah. We cared more about what other people think about ourselves mm-hmm. and about our children than we care about what our child feels and thinks. Yeah. You know, and growing them up like that only creates more and more society problems. Yeah, you know, get over caring about what other people think. Look real, people. Look real. Yeah. <laughs> I mean
0: carry yourself real too though yes
1: yes like when you're
0: speaking to somebody look at them in the eye like because you know there's that essential need of relationship i want to develop this relationship with this person or even test to see if my surroundings are safe with this person i want to evaluate that so i want to look at them in the eyes and i want to evaluate everything going on in this conversation so that i know if i can trust this person
1: Mm And, and we raise kids with the inability to know what to do. Do you think do people
0: saw the facade?
1: Well, sure. The people that were struggling with it themselves. Yeah. You know, and really all it takes is, you know, I can remember the first time somebody said something to me about being a single mom and all the kids are dressed and stuff. And I says, well, I'm going to admit to you, it's war zone before we get here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was the good honest truth. It's a war zone before we get here. We look good when we get here, but it was it, it was a battle and a war before we got here. Right. You know, we come in looking good, but there was a war yeah. at home. And that that wasn't right. And so as your kids grow grew older, I allowed you more and more freedom to dress like you wanted to dress, wear your hair the way you wanted to wear your hair. The only thing I asked is that you were clean. Yeah. Did you shower? Did you brush your teeth? And I didn't really care if you're didn't exactly exact match. I didn't like it. My OCD part of me says, that doesn't really go together, but oh well. Yeah. You know, like holy jeans, oh well.
0: Right. I just let
1: it go. You know, but inside I'm going, I hate it. You know, but I had to let you kids experience that. Even when everyone, well, Daisy didn't. But all you boys pushed a boundary with the laws. Every, all four of you.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Push boundaries with the law. Mm-hmm. And every boundary you push with the law, I let you fall just enough. Mm-hmm. Rock more than the rest, but because he pushed it and pushed it and pushed it until he.
0: Well, he continued to go back and that was his choice. And yes. I, I, th- I think that um, brings to probably the final topic is, is we always have to talk about it, but it's personal responsibility. Yes. Him owning that. You owning your position as a mother to validate the child emotionally, you owning that you don't have it all together and you can put on this facade to all of these people. Every decision that we make is going to either establish that boundary in our children's lives, our lives, or it's going to be detrimental and it's going to be a trauma yeah. that's going to be resulting from us not evaluating what's the proper decision.
1: And I, I validated this in Brock, um, probably by the time he's in his mid teens. And I knew that there was a lot of trauma in his life due childhood. Um, I realized that, um, as a first mom with him, I was harsher on him and I didn't, um, allow him. I think, you know, because Dasha was sick, Rusty was sick with asthma a lot, Brock kind of got a little left behind. Mm-hmm. And and I acknowledged that. And then as he grew older, you know, the divorce was very detrimental to him um, and stuff. And so, you know, by the time he was 16, I was recognizing those things. The damage had already been done, you know, and all I could do is help him start taking responsibility, even for his action, even if, what he's coming from is not a good thing, you know, so, and, and, and it took years for him to get to that place, you know, but I, I, did what I could as a parent trying to get the help he could, but bottom line is he had to take personal responsibility. At one point he took personal responsibility and, you know, we all, I don't know anybody that doesn't come out of childhood with some kind of stuff, you know, they're just because, you know, parents are parenting with what they know. And if they didn't have good parenting, they parent not good, you know, and you hope that they they develop and they learn as they go too. But like you said, you get to a certain age of accountability, as we call it. If you don't start taking personal responsibility for your own life, it's going to be a train wreck. Mm -hmm. Bottom line, it's going to be a train wreck. No matter how your childhood looked, no matter how hard things may be, If you don't take personal responsibility, your life is going to be a train wreck.
0: Quit packing your baggage. (laughs) Literally open up the suitcase and throw it all out on the floor and look at every piece of clothing, every piece of baggage that you have and look at it in the deepest stinking parts to understand the meaning and the reason, the whys, the hows, and then you can move on.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I still, to this day at 66, have these kind of issues with boundaries and I'll just be honest with this yeah. I still have the want to please people mm-hmm. um, that sometimes I allow um, my time to be consumed or I allow myself to say yes when I really should be saying no in a situation um, being passive in some things and there's a lot of times that I just find myself in a quiet spot and I'm praying to the Lord to give me um, courage to say no because I want to still please people. That I, yeah. It's innate for me that I want to please people. I want people to be happy. Yeah. And so sometimes I give up what would be good for me personally in order for them to feel okay with whatever. Well,
0: and take it beyond just pleasing other people but pleasing God. Yes, You know, God established a boundary for us to wait till marriage for sex. Right. And as a man, I still struggle. Yeah. Every day, every woman I talk to, I'm like, would I have sex with her? And that shouldn't be my first thought. That shouldn't be my first thought. But I'm still tempted. I'm still struggling.
1: And I wish more Christians would admit to that to to other people, especially people that don't know who Jesus is, just be gut honest and say, you know, yeah. by the grace of God, I, could, I can refrain. But it's only through the grace of God that I can stay steadfast in my conviction. And let them know you still struggle every day with that.
0: If God is with us, who can be against us? Yeah. Let out all of the stuff that you experience like Mm -hmm. those it's okay to be tempted jesus was tempted yeah throw yourself off this mountain and i'll give you the world (laughs) he already had the world
1: right but all of us even today you know i still have temptation at Mm -hmm. 66 there's still temptation in my life you know as we get older (laughs) i even all admit to this even there's temptations that i know i probably really ought not do that but I know I'm already going to do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Like, you know you're going to make the bad decision. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then it, may, it, it reminds me of um, Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Shall we go on singing so the grace may abound? By no means. I always think about that when I'm like, yeah, I know I'm about to do it. Because I'm thinking. I'm about yeah. to go on sinning so the grace may abound.
1: Yeah.
0: It doesn't mean to continue sinning. But there are battles within each one of us.
1: Yeah, we all have them. There is not one person out there that doesn't have a battle. you know. And I think if we as a Christian society would be a little bit more opened to show the world that we struggle with that stuff and that God's grace and mercy is the only thing saving us, how many more people would we reach?
0: How would the relationships be impacted if we were 100% real? And we gave all of it to God.
1: Right.
0: That's the biggest hurt in the church. Yeah. Is that when somebody walks into a church and they look around the pews and they're obviously all tatted up and they got dangling piercings from their nose to their ear? And 98% of the people in those pews are not looking at that person the way Jesus does.
1: No, we don't. We're like, yeah, oh. yeah. Oh.
0: But if that person knew that relationship,
1: you know, and this, I am going to say this. When I look at Brock, let's look at Brock. He's got some tattoos on his body, and the consequences of some of those tattoos is he became ashamed of them after he got to know Jesus, and he's tried to cover them up with other tattoos. But I know appearance wise, when you look at Brock, this guy is into hard Christian rock. It's
0: it's not rock. It's heavy metal. It's It's heavy metal.
1: Okay. It's that screaming deep throat. I can't understand what they're saying, (laughs) you know, and he's got tattoos and he wears a lot of black t-shirts. The guy is reptile. And I'm not talking reptiles like in lizards. I mean, snakes, tarantula spiders.
0: I promise you he has more snakes in his living room than three quarters of your guys's reptile exhibits at your local zoo. <laughs> yes.
1: But anybody <laughs> to see him outwardly mm-hmm. would immediately go, oh, he's a no good. Mm-hmm. He's a no good. And yet I know that I know that he loves Jesus. Yeah. And he exudes that. And he's the first one to tell you he's a screw-up. Mm-hmm. You know, that he makes mistakes, and he doesn't get it all right. But he loves Jesus, and he tries every day mm. to continue pleasing God.
0: I think that it, it really just goes to show um, in your situation, of course, I'm, in the, I'm, a, I'm a part of that, but how God had his hand in everything.
1: He did. Yeah. He did. Just... And, you know, and I, and I think that that's where my, my gratefulness to God comes from because I didn't do it right. Right. I didn't do it right. All I knew is that God was important. My relationship with Jesus was important, and I had to try the best I could to show my kids that. And um, and I didn't do it right.
0: And you prayed for us?
1: I prayed for you. I still pray for you.
0: And you had trust that God would establish the boundaries in our lives? Yes. Alrighty guys, I think that's all we got. Okay. I think that was really good. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it gets a little I, emotional sometimes. <laughs> I know. Yeah, you know. I get I get emotional too. Yeah. I mean I, I've teared up a few times on the podcast, but I really hope that like the listeners understand like this whole platform is predicated on realness, rawness and the articulation of understanding why we struggle as human beings. And maybe we can find some solutions to the problems individually that then plays out into culture that impacts other people so that they understand the relationship that Jesus desires to have with us and how that plays out into the world.
1: Right. One more thing I'll say this and, You know, I do um, Bible studies occasionally for women. And I had a small group of women and I was just sharing part of my testimony and some things that I had gone through and how God showed up. And one of the ladies looked at me and said, were you living for the Lord when that was going on? No, I wasn't. Yeah. But that was the faithfulness of God in that.
0: He wants you so dang bad. It's called mercy. All righty, (laughs) guys. If you could, please go ahead and follow us over on Instagram, Facebook, where you're going to get daily post updates about what's going on on the Pursuing Truth podcast. Shoot us follow on Spotify so that you know when a new episode comes out. Mom and I do these episodes every other week. On the off week is SNL hot takes. And periodically you guys will get a Braincast, where that's just a general solo episode of me sharing something that's on my heart. Those release on Monday at 6 a.m. And then Real Talk radio show episodes release on Wednesdays at 6 a.m. So some weeks, like this week, you had an episode on Monday at 6 a.m. Yeah. Wednesday, yes. 6 AM and Friday, 6 AM
1: and you have a job
0: and I have a job and I create content for all of these platforms. Guys, I am committed to this message right here. These conversations mom and I are having the conversations, Rusty and I had the conversations Brock and I have had the list goes on with over 20 guests that I've had on the podcast. It's always in seek of a guest. That is 100% raw and willing to have that conversation that shows you as a listener, you are not alone in this crazy war of life.
1: Right. Right. That's what relationships about. Can't do it alone. Yep. Can't do it alone.
0: Leave an Apple podcast review. Please share this episode. If you enjoyed the conversation mom and I had today about boundaries, that will help it grow. And I really think this was probably the best one so far. And I think it will continue yeah. to get better as we go yeah. on. And I think that we also stayed on topic very well talking about children. I All righty. Well, you guys have a great rest of your week and God bless.